Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's Ashley. And it's Brittany. And you're listening to More Than a Season podcast. Welcome. Welcome, Playmakers. If you're new here, thanks so much for choosing us and stopping by. We really aren't that bad, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you learned something along the way, but we are a podcast for significant others in the sports industry or just somebody who supports someone in the sports industry or just somebody who enjoys sports. And we hope to offer you an inside look and a behind the scenes look and also just provide you maybe some tips or tricks to live in this lifestyle. Yeah, so if you have a friend that is in this industry, bring them along because the more the merrier. We have been growing this community going a little over two-ish years now, and it has just been amazing to see how much growth and community that has been built um, over these past couple years, but welcome, welcome. We're happy you're here. We are, and if you didn't know this, usually week by week we are going over our past game from the past mm-hmm. weekend. And so this past weekend, thank goodness, we won. We got back on track. If you listened to our episode last week, we unfortunately had our first loss against LSU, but we came back. We beat Bowling Green this past weekend, and we had a really fun but hot time. Oh my gosh, it was so hot. I actually can't complain, though, because I got there a little bit late. My travel plans were a little crazy getting back from Boston. I've actually never had a flight get canceled without any other options, like for the rest of the day. And so spending the night in Atlanta just was a little chaotic. I've never had to do that before. So that was a learning experience. It's hard. It's really tough. And it's frustrating because you just feel like you wish you could do something else and you look at all the other options. Like I know you're even looking at like driving back like you're just like I just want to be home in my own bed. Yeah, it was nuts that we we kind of banded together like a little family on the flight. They were very, very kind because, I mean, everyone's coming here like to Starkville. So it's it's not like we're just going different ways. And so I met this lady and she's like, hey, which looking back, probably not smart of me. Like all my crime podcasts told me probably shouldn't have done this, but I wanted to get home so bad. She was like, hey, let's split a rental car. And we can drive back from Atlanta together because it's only about four and a half hours. And I said, you know what? That sounds great. I was like, that is great. But then there was no rental cars and it was going to be like $700 to drive it literally one way. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. So then I ended up spending the night in the hotel and then woke up, couldn't really sleep, and then came home and he gained that hour back. So it was still 8 a.m. like when I landed, but I came to the game. I feel like I wasn't that late. No, you were like right after it was the like first, first quarter. quarter. Yeah. yeah. Which that first quarter was really long anyway. So it worked out perfectly. But we were baking in the sun, I feel like. So you're probably lucky that you weren't there I know. at the beginning. <laughs> One of our friends, Mary Cameron, Brittany and I were laughing because she got baked like by the sun only on the right side of her body. <laughs> and so it was, I don't know why. It must have been the reflection off the bleachers, but she was a little toasty. I know. I felt really bad because that's the worst feeling too. Like just getting baked on one side because you're like, dang, I'm not even even. I'm not evenly uncomfortable. This is so frustrating. But we did win and we also enjoyed some really good lemonade because at our games, they offer alcoholic beverages, which is awesome. I don't know if they did this pre-COVID. We've talked about this before, but I don't know if they did this pre-COVID, but I love the fact that they offer drinks at stadiums now Mm -hmm. because it is just so nice but our options we've really got to step those up I mean we have beer Mm -hmm. and black 
cherry, which is hard the worst, seltzer. The worst flavor. It it's, should be exiled from it's the family. It's literally the worst flavor. <laughs> And it's Bud Light Seltzer, so they couldn't even, like, spring for the High Noon. Yeah. Or the White Claw <laughs> or the Truly. Like, they had to go Bud Light Seltzer. And, and Black Cherry is just, like, doesn't fit in with the group. No, it's, it's like not... the ugly stepchild. Yeah, so the ugly. Like... <laughs> yes, that's the way to put it. <laughs> it is. It's and like, then... <laughs> no one wants the Black Cherry flavor. It's like, who's going to take one for the team and drink the Black Cherry out of this, you know, variety pack? It's always left at the bottom of the cooler. But, yeah, yeah so we just didn't, we just didn't want it. And so there's yeah. these giant these giant lemonades that are like freshly squeezed and it's so funny the line is so long to get these lemonades pretty sure they're 10 bucks but we um got some lemonade and some water but we do have a solution hopefully coming in the future because our interview that we have today Mm -hmm. is talking about canned wine but she is making a little spin on it with an innovative way so we interviewed caitlin coming up here and she is an nfl significant other and she created her own company called just enough wine you know it's important because when you open a bottle of wine you don't want to drink the entire thing or maybe you do maybe you want to drink the entire yeah, no thing. judgment here yeah no judgment on mm-hmm. that but usually when i open a bottle of wine personally i want like a glass or a glass and a half and this just enough wine can is one and a half glasses and it's a can of wine but it's actually a good quality wine versus i feel like when you see a lot of canned wines like i think in your head you're like eh, this can't be that good of quality yeah I think of college when you're like I have 10 bucks to spare what am I gonna get and yeah. this is not it this is totally superior we're really excited to try it um, and we'll share it with you as soon as we get the samples but she has a variety something for everyone and you'll learn a ton about the wine industry because if you're like me a red is a red a white is a white I don't know about any fluff in between but she makes it really simple <laughs> to yeah. help you out <laughs> yeah and then she also talks all about being of course in the sports industry they went from college to the end NFL and so she talks about that and gives us kind of the rundown of what is different and what they have experienced so far and if you are looking to start your own business she also talks about the beginning stages of starting a business so it's a really good episode we hope you enjoy and we'll see you on the other side Welcome back, everyone. It's our favorite time of the week. Y'all know. It is. And we have a really special guest. We're excited about this one because she has a very unique business that she's going to share more information about. But we'll toss it on over to her to let her introduce herself. Awesome. Thanks for having me today. My name is Caitlin Lowe, and my husband, Robbie, is an offensive assistant with the Houston Texans. We've lived in Texas for about three years now, and I am also the co-founder and COO of Just Enough Wines, a premium canned wine company. Little elevator pitch. I love it. She was was like, I know exactly what I'm going to (laughs) say. That's awesome. And where are you both originally from? Because we always like to backtrack a little bit when people say where they're at now and where they're at in their journey. We're like, we know it didn't start there. So give us a little backstory of how you met, where you're from, all of that. Yeah. So we're both from California originally. I'm from the Bay Area. So just north of San Francisco and Robbie's from Orange County. So Southern California. And we actually met in undergrad. So we both went to Stanford. Uh, Robbie is a year older than me. So we met actually my freshman year at Stanford. It was my very first class in Spanish class. It was a class of like nine people. And, you know, I think we just stood out to each other on the first day. Nine people were in your class? (laughs) Yeah, it was a small class. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a really small class. So it was really good to get to know each other. I mean, he was super cute and really smart, really nice, pretty shy though. So it definitely took us, you know, about a year to actually start dating. But, you know, since then, the rest is really history. Yeah, that's like super intimate, like nine people. I'm just thinking, I'm like, did y'all have to like do group partner work where you speak in Spanish to each other? Because oh, that, that would be worst. my worst nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. And <laughs> the teacher, you know, cold called people all the time. So it was definitely one. It was in, I think it was like a 9 a.m. Spanish class so <laughs> on Monday. So you had to show oh, up ready to go. <laughs> yes, the worst. I swear I've taken like six years of Spanish and I could tell you like, hola. So yeah, it's not. It's never stuck with me. <laughs> Same can't, here. Can't Same have those here, conversations. So. <laughs> so then after you guys graduated, what was your journey like? Did you move with him? What was the process of getting into this football industry? Yeah, so it's definitely been, you know, actually more stable than I probably would have anticipated. So Robbie ended up coaching at Stanford. He stayed on there for about five seasons before moving over to Rice University in Houston, where he is there for four seasons and then now with the Texans for his first season. In terms of, you know, did did we stay together the whole time or like live in the same places? At Stanford, definitely. I stay in the Bay Area and I work there. And then when he got the job at Rice, I stayed in SF for a year to continue working at my job. And then I actually ended up going to business school and I went to business school at Michigan. So did two years apart there and then finally moved down to Houston in 2020 when the pandemic hit. Wow. That's a lot of transition. I feel like even though you're kind of in the same area like Houston, even those changing programs, mm -hmm. I feel like there's still a lot that has been learned from that season of life. So what are some things that you remember back then you were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is how it turned out. Like, what have you learned from back during those times? Yeah, I think one of the things I've learned and you know, I'm sure it's so familiar and you guys probably hear this all the time, but I've always wanted to like plan and control everything. And I've learned like, you just can't <laughs> and like mm -hmm. to, you know, really try to control what you can control. So, you know, I've really tried to focus on my career as well. You know, that's why I had, you know, an opportunity to go to business school actually down in Houston and decided to go to Michigan because I felt like that would be better for, you know, myself longer term. So, you know, I think for us, we've just been really supportive of each other and, you know, letting each other kind of go our separate paths, but at the same time, you know, trying to be together as well. I love that because I think it's hard. You want to follow them, but you also want to like have your own thing. And it's hard to like balance that where you support them, but you also want to do your own thing. So when you decided to go to business school, you guys had already lived in the same area in Stanford. Then you went to long distance. That's a really hard transition. I feel like going long distance to be together is a easier transition than the opposite. So how did you guys handle that part? Yeah, it was definitely tough. I think, you know, the good thing was, is, you know, business school is super busy, Yeah. you know, whether it's the classes or like a lot of times you're traveling internationally or, you know, interviewing for jobs and stuff. I think that was really helpful that it kept me, you know, very busy with a lots going on, but, you know, definitely would have loved to have him there in Ann Arbor with me, you know, meeting new friends and stuff. But I think I had a really good community. I roomed with a girl that I had gone to undergrad with. So it was great to have, you know, some familiar faces around. Especially. That's good. No, that's really good. And with that chapter of transitioning from college to NFL, I feel like there is a ton of differences that maybe many people do not know. So what was one of the biggest surprises with either the schedule or just the overall difference between NFL and college that you found? Really great question. So he, yeah, he made the transition earlier this year in the springtime. And to be honest, I think I'm still 
figuring out what the differences <laughs> are. But probably the two that have stood out the most is one off-season schedule. You know, usually in college, most of the coaches have to go out recruiting. So you're also traveling a lot during the springtime where in NFL coaches don't go recruit. So he's around a lot more, which was pretty awesome to yeah. have. And, you know, definitely really exciting. But I guess one other thing that really surprised me was the community. You know, I thought going to a larger organization, it, it would be harder to get to know people and just how I'd even like go about that in this huge organization. And I think what I found is that it's a really tight knit community. There's like, you know, charity events, you know, dinners, baby showers, et cetera, like every week or every other week. So it's really awesome that there's a lot of opportunities to get to know different women throughout the organization. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's so interesting too how every team has like their own little vibe. They have their own identity and they kind of maybe do things differently. Do you guys interact with the players, families? Because I know that we've heard from different people in the NFL that like some are very separate and some are like really intertwined. What is your guys' system like there? Yeah, definitely a little bit. You know, we have events where, you know, there's players, families that we all attend. And also we have a group chat, which is really helpful just to have that community in Houston. Yeah. Personally, I haven't as much just because, you know, have been busy with the job and stuff. But I think, you know, as you go farther into the season, hopefully I'll have more opportunity too. Yeah, it's really cool. I do like that the community is so big and there's so many events that you can attend that you just kind of get this built-in community automatically instead of having to search for it. So I think that's really cool. And with all of that community, what have you really just felt like, okay, I need to build a community outside of football, have my own identity. So did you find that kind of difficult? I know you've been in Houston area for a while, but what did you do to kind of separate yourself and have another community outside of the football group? It's definitely been tough because you know, I'm kind of in the phase where I think, you know, an easy way I would say to make friends when you're in a new city is like, if you have kids, like, mm -hmm. you know, you can have a great community through that. We do not have kids yet. So it's funny. I was like, people don't talk about how hard it is to make friends as an adult. Yes. And especially, you know, in the COVID timeframe, that's when I moved here. So that also added a whole nother layer. I've really just been trying to find like, you know, other friends. So I have a friend that's also from undergrad that lives here. So she's been great at introducing me to her network or, you know, there's, there's a gal on the Texans whose husband is on the um, scouting side and, you know, she helps introduce me to her network outside of the Texans and stuff. So it's not like you need to make 20 friends, but finding like one or two who can then introduce you to others who live in the area is really helpful. Yeah. That's so smart. I would feel like in a bigger city, it's easier, but I think it's actually harder. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think such it a, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. You would think it'd be easier because more opportunities to do things, but it's also harder because people have like their set groups and they've probably mm -hmm. lived there yeah. a long time. So that's interesting to think about. Okay, let's dive into your business because it is so interesting and so cool. So tell us all about how you created it and where the idea even came from. Yeah. So once again, Just Enough Wines, we're a premium canned wine company. And I started this with my co founder in 2020. So, you know, right as the pandemic was hitting, which, you know, was actually really great timing for us. And, you know, the whole reason of why this started was, you know, partly from the name just enough. I think, you know, what my co-founder and I found was as we approached our late 20s and early 30s, we were drinking alcohol a lot different than we were, you know, early 20s, etc. And what we found was that, you know, Personally, I really valued having like a great glass of wine at the end of the day. Yeah. It was sort of part of like my wind down routine, you know, like after a long day, you have a great meal, you have a glass of wine. And the problem was that I would open a full bottle of wine, wanting to have a glass, 
you know, I'd have that. And then, you know, Robbie's not around because he's in season or traveling or whatever. And, you know, I wouldn't drink the bottle for about a week and it would go bad and I didn't end up throwing it out. So, you know, really we found that a lot of our friends are having this issue too and wanted a more practical serving size. So that's where we landed on the can. Each of our cans is about a glass and a half. So, you know, we say it's like the perfect portion. Enjoy glass. That's literally the perfect portion. It is. Because I always feel like that's exactly what I want. I'm like, I don't want two, but I don't want just <laughs> mm-hmm. one. You know, I'm like, I'm kind of in between. And then you open the bottle and you're like, okay, well, I should probably just drink the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And with creating a business, I know that you get this idea. And we also know that there is so much set up to go to just creating a brand and a business. Um, and a lot of people don't understand how much work, pre-work goes into something before you launch. And so what did you do after you got this idea? You're like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go for it. So what did you do to create your signature wine? Yeah. So I was lucky in that I have a really awesome co-founder. So she initially came up with the idea and then we joined together, but we launched fairly quickly. Like we started working together in March, 2020, and we launched in September of that year. She comes from a background of tech. So she worked for Google, Uber, and then Line, the scooter company. And, you know, with Uber, the mantra is like, it should be done yesterday. So they move very fast. So, you know, that's something that we definitely did. And, you know, the wine industry, it's, it's so interesting. And, you know, we did a lot of research. We brought on consultants on, and, you know, the early stages of the business to really help us navigate that. There's this whole bulk wine market of where you can buy wine from all these incredible vineyards. So, you know, what we do specifically is we partner with really awesome, well-known sustainable vineyards in the Central Coast region of California. And we partner with our winemakers to make and produce our wines. That's how we're able to get them. But, you know, both of us are from California. So, you know, we, we had been across all the different wine industries. And then, you know, we have uh, a guy on our team who's also been a great advisor who's been in the wine industry for, you know, many, many years and is able to help us with that. And so are all of the different wines from different wineries? Are they from one winery or what do you have? What's your sampling look like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a mix of both. Right now we have six total varietals. So we have two sparkling, we have a rosé bubbles and a brut bubbles, and then we have four still. So we have a Chardonnay, a rosé, a Pinot Noir, and a red blend. And most of them are from the Central Coast region. You know, really the difference with our wines and a lot of the other canned wines that are out there is that they're all vintage and Appalachian specific. So, you know, if you, the more specific your wines are, you know, from a certain vintage or from a certain area, the higher quality it is. So that's one easy way if you're, you know, in the wine aisle and you're trying to decipher different quality of the wine. I feel like that's so interesting. Yeah. Every time I go into the wine aisle, I go with what I know. There. Yeah, it's so overwhelming. <laughs> I know, and a lot of the labels and things are so bright and distracting that you're like, yeah. I don't know, do I pick that? It's kind of like a book too. Like <laughs> yeah. when you're in the bookstore, you're like, that cover looks great. So I get always overwhelmed too. But when I'm thinking about all these different types of wine and how many taste tests did you have to do? Before you launch, because I'm just thinking to myself, like, you would get the samples back from the vineyard, and then you'd be like, "Uh, I don't know about this. Or so how many testings did you have to go through? Oh, my gosh, that's a great question. I should actually send you guys a photo. I have a photo where we probably have like, 40 different wine bottles laid out where we were all testing. Yeah. So, and we did several iterations of that. So, you know, when we were launching our first rattles, definitely a lot. I think after that, we were able to kind of 
figure out what, you know, our taste profile was of the wines and then be able to partner with those same vineyards year after year. So the tasting has actually gone down a bit. <laughs> At the start, we, we did taste a lot of wine. <laughs> okay. So what's your number one tip for someone that's trying wine or tasting wine? You know, with the wine industry, I think one of the things is that it's really standoffish sometimes. Like I think people are scared, you know, there's all these different varietals and different grape types and regions that like, you know, people can't pronounce. So I think my number one tip is like, go with what you like. You know, I don't think you should feel, you know, ashamed or anything about like liking reds versus whites, et cetera. And, you know, really for us, like the part of, you know, creating this whole wine company and community was like, we want to make wine education also more approachable. We want to make the wine industry more approachable. So yeah, I think that's my tip. Just like go with what you like, try different varietals, like be adventurous. We have a great actually down in, in Texas, HEB and Central Market are two awesome grocery stores. And I love Central Market because you go down their wine aisle and they have like all these different wine regions. And my husband and I both really enjoy wine. So we'd go and we'd just like pick out bottles from different regions and just like kind of blind test them and see what, what we like. So go explore and just have fun. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's like a stigma with wine tasting that like, if you're not trying wine the proper way, mm-hmm. then you're not doing it right. So the can's a little bit of an easier way to go to kind of start if you don't know if you like wine yet. Because you can try something and not feel bad about having an entire bottle and wasting it if you don't like it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, I'm just thinking of myself like wine tasting like for the first time like oh my gosh, in my I early know. 20s. I just followed what everyone else at the table was doing. So I did a little swirl, swirl thing, kind of like smelled <laughs> it and then like tipped it back. But I mean, I just needed the can. And with getting into the grocery store business, um, I used to work with Frito-Lay. And so I know that the grocery store business is super aggressive to have your can even on a certain shelf is what that buying space is for. So Mm -hmm. how did that look like or what did that look like for you getting the can even into the store and placement on the aisle? Yeah. So we're definitely still navigating that. I'd say, you know, it's funny. I get asked all the time, like what's one of the hardest things of starting this business and navigating the alcohol laws are no joke in the U S because prohibition, you know, they've made them very complicated. So each state has their own alcohol laws that you have to, you know, abide by and figure out. So a great example of us is we're actually based in San Francisco. So, you know, in California, I can go to a store and go sell directly to them out in Texas. You can't do that. So you have to work through a distributor. So in sense, like a middleman. So we're mostly in California at this point, we're probably in a little over 200 stores there. And, you know, it's funny, like, classical startup, it was mostly boots on the ground. Like I was going out, going and selling to different places. And, you know, I think the biggest trick is just being persistent and not being scared of someone saying no, Mm -hmm. you know, you just figure out, like, if you stand behind your product, if you think it's a quality product, you just go out there and, you know, you make great connections and you just got to put yourself out there. And like, you know, you want people to either say no or yes, like you want to get an answer is what I like to say it. So always follow up until you get an answer. So you physically went into the stores, you had these conversations with these people, and then do you give them like a sample or what does that look like? How do they decide to put you in the store? Yeah. So it's all different depending on the store, like the larger chains, you sometimes have to work through a distributor there as well. Some of like the smaller ones, for example, you can just go, you can ask who the contact is, or you can call ahead and try to get a meeting set up depending on the place. Like if it's a resort or golf club, a lot of times they have a sommelier who wants to like taste through the wines with you. Other places, they just prefer if you drop samples and they taste through it. And then yeah, either way, once they've gone through it, you know, they like the flavor profile, the pricing works out, then you have an order. 
Wow. It seems like so much conversations and pre-work and contracts with those things. And that's a mm -hmm. lot, a lot that goes into getting it on the shelf. But I, I just think it's amazing, like where you started and then where you're at now. And with you and your co-founder, because Brittany and I each have our own jobs and responsibilities. How did you figure out, okay, this is my strong suit. This is what I like to do versus your co-founder. How did y'all divvy up who's doing what? Yeah. So starting off, you know, we tried to have those conversations, but I think when it was just us two and we were just trying to get launched, like we just tackled everything. Like things would come up and we're like, okay, do you want to take this? How about I take this? Who has bandwidth, et cetera. So it was really just like almost what's that game when you're like batting the little I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Whack-a-mole. It almost felt like that where it's just like constant things. So it's like, you can, you know, hit the whack-a-mole, <laughs> but you know, now we're, we're a team of about five. So we sort of split responsibilities a bit more. She's based out in San Francisco where the company is. So she helps a lot more on like the production and offside. She was a product manager before. So she's really, really good in those areas. And then I work a lot more on just our overall like marketing and sales and more of that area of the business. And when you first started, was this your full-time thing that you guys were both doing or did you have jobs on the side? Because I know you started during COVID. Yeah. So I, I started this actually the summer after my first year of business school. So I did this pretty much throughout the second year uh, of business school. And then, yeah, really was doing this full time because classes are online at that point. Yeah. So, you know, I do classes. I was in California also at this time. So I would do classes at like 6am in the morning because they were over on East coast time and then, you know, basically work on the business all day. Wow. And with other competitors, when you obviously were trying to be different and go a different route with your product, what was something that you were like, I want to be separated in this way versus our competitor wine? So what was that goal in the beginning for that? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, you know, part of the reason why we started this was that canned wine has actually existed. It's it's not, you know, a new product that's been out there, but in the past and still true to this day, it's been pretty low quality. So a lot of times when you see the can, it's it's also larger size. So it's a 375 milliliter. It's like that bigger beer can. Mm -hmm. And that's half a bottle of wine, which a lot of people don't realize. <laughs> and usually, you know, it's a half bottle of wine. They're selling it to you for $4. So I, I can tell you that's probably not going to be very good wine. So, you know, partly why we started this was that, you know, we, we saw a need for the smaller portion size. But at the same time, you know, really what sets us apart is the quality. And we're really going after that like premium area, which I don't think a lot of canned wines are in that space yet. So yeah, the smaller size and higher quality in wine that actually tastes good. And it's yeah. comparable to out of a bottle. Yeah, I wish that you guys were at LSU like a couple of weeks ago because we had this like they only had beer or like barefoot, like the the mini oh. bottles. And uh and so it just wasn't that good. <laughs> I mean, nothing against people that like barefoot, but you know. Yeah. I was like, dang, this would have been so this would have been the perfect market for y'all. Yeah. So how do you balance? Like you have a lot going on with your business. And then you also have, of course, the football life. So how do you make sure that you're balancing everything and kind of giving your full effort to both sides of things? Yeah. And I think, you know, staying organized, prioritizing and communicating, you know, Robbie and I make a really good effort to be with one another when he's off. And, you know, it's not often that he's off during the football season, which I'm sure you guys definitely feel on your end. So, you know, for him, for example, like Friday nights are usually the nights where he's off, we have time for dinner. So like on my end, whatever I have to do in terms of business, like Friday nights are my nights where like, 
I'm going to make sure I'm not working on the business and we have time together. So I think staying organized in that sense and like communicating in the sense that, you know, we know when we can spend time together and like, we're going to prioritize that. But yeah, it, it can be tough sometimes because I mean, he's working all the time. So it's easy for me to be here and be like, well, I'll just stay online until, you know, mm-hmm. nine o'clock or whatever, because he's not around. So really just trying to set, I, th- I think some boundaries for myself as well, because I know I can easily burn myself out sometimes when I get too involved in something. So yeah, self boundaries are tough. We're definitely guilty of that where you just go and go and go and you're like, why not? He's not here. So definitely feel that. So with the past uh, few seasons with trying to build a business, make time for yourself, what are some things that you learned about your own self and your identity with that just change over time with the increase of your business and then as well as the sports industry? Yeah, I I think one of the things I've really learned from this is just being able to like support one another and knowing that it's not always going to be equal because he's gone, he's in the office like 24 hours a day. So like, I need to be the one to like really pick up a lot more around, you know, the house or, you know, take care of a dog, et cetera. You know, summer when he's off, you know, he's, we usually spend the summers out in California so I can be out, you know, with family and, and with the business. And, you know, he's out there really doing the bulk of the work, you know, helping with errands, taking care of the dog. You know, he's even come to our warehouse to help us come pack pallets of wine. So I think realizing that like, it's a partnership and it's not always going to be equal hundred percent. And just like knowing when you can give more and when your partner can give more and really trying to find that balance. Yeah. I love that perspective because I think a lot of people get caught up in this, like I'm doing this and I'm doing this and you're not doing this versus like, what does your schedule look like and what are you able to do? And then where can your partner help in? And then opposite when they're in off season, like can they take more majority of the work and you can kind of do the here or there type of thing. So I love that perspective. And we ask this question every single time at the end of our interview. So if you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing, just starting out in this industry or maybe just starting out with your business, something that you know now that would have helped you, what would you say? If I were to go back, I think, you know, both for football life and also for starting a business, I'd say learn to just go with the flow. I mean, there's, it's funny because there's actually a lot of similarities between the two with football, you know, a lot of times you never know where you're going to be year to year. Like you, you really can't control a lot of that. And then same with a business. Like you also don't know as much as, you know, you can have your business plan. You can have a pro forma for the next five years, but you know, you never know where the business is going to go. So I think always just doing your best and planning as much as you can, but you know, know what you can control and what you can't control and kind of just let the path take you where it's going to take you. Yeah, we love that answer. And thank you so much for coming on. If anybody wants to find you or learn more about your business, where can they look on social media to find out? Yeah, so you can go to our website. We're at justenoughwines.com or we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Just Enough Wines. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than A Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than A Season Podcast or on TikTok at More Than A Season for the latest updates. If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.